step, Omega step, Kappa step, Sigma step, gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk, ooh, heck you know, that boy is raw, aka step, Delta step, SGO step, Zeta step, gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk, ooh, heck you know, that boy is raw. Well, hello and welcome back to the Mighty Morphin HR Changers podcast, episode three, entitled Two Degrees But No Job Leads. I am super excited to be back here recording another episode with you all. And so, again, thank you for attending, sending us questions, sending us responses and reviews. Greatly appreciated. And we look forward to continuing what we do today. So, I am back again with Meg. Meg, how you doing over there? I'm good, and you? I'm just hot. <laughs> well, it is a hundred and what two degrees outside right 100, now? A hundred and two degrees. That is that's insane. I think this is probably going to be one of the hottest summers. You know, given that we had a really awkward winter. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, back to the subject. So again, this podcast is entitled Two Degrees But No Job Leads. And again, the title alone is self-explanatory, but this was a topic that was near and dear to both me and Meg. You know, I have an undergraduate degree from no other than Tuskegee University and HBCU Love in the house, and also a graduate degree from Colorado Colorado Technical University, where I received my MBA with a concentration in HR management. Uh, Meg, I know you got tons of degrees over there. What you got going on? Let's see. I have a bachelor's degree. I went to school to become an engineer, but of course that didn't happen. Went back to school, got an MBA in human resources. Woo! 4.0. Yep. <laughs> and then I'm currently working on my doctorate degree. So I'm in dissertation phase right now. Ooh, nice. I know. Well, I know they're keeping you mighty busy over there. Yes. Mighty busy. <laughs> All right. Well, just to recap from last episode, last episode we talked about the importance of personal branding and what that really means and how you should develop a personal brand that is memorable and the various steps that you need to take to do so. So uh, let's get started, Meg. Okay, I'm ready. All right. So let's face it. Obtaining an education is tough, right? Yes. As is. Specifically, if you're funding that education yourself, right? Yes. You funding. know, it's it's super expensive. Looking back, maybe, what, 10, 20 years ago, just thinking like when my mother went to school, education was not this expensive. No, I think my I think my master's degree was probably about 30 plus thousand dollars. Yeah, mine, mine was about 25. Yes. 25 undergraduate degree. Mm, if I doing the quick math, it was roughly about probably 40. Yeah, about 40 something. And his doctorate degree brought about 70. Woo. I know. Wow. Well, we live in a world where people are obtaining college educations more than ever. They're receiving master's degrees, bachelor's degrees, associate's degrees, certifications, all of that. From single moms graduating from law school to the baby boomer generation going back to receive their education and going back to school. That's that's amazing. It is amazing. It it really, really, really is I don't know what I would do after 50 years of just being in the workforce and then going back to get a degree. That has to be a major accomplishment. It is. I think a lot of those um, that comes from, you know, a lot of those women and men, Mm -hmm. they become parents at an early age. And so they want to make sure that their kids are taken care of. And so they put their kids through school. They put their kids through college and sometimes, you know, graduate level degrees. And they go back to school once their kids are taken care of. And I think that's an awesome thing to do. Absolutely. And 
education is a blessing, but like you mentioned, also super expensive. We highlight it quickly. I think I'm roughly about 100K in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) At least you're not a doctor. (laughs) Not yet. You know, I just had a conversation with my friend about that of going back to actually get my PhD. I know. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Good luck. <laughs> Let's see if we can find some research opportunities for you so you can go to school for free. <laughs> right. But, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Just giving my own personal experience. I was a first generation college student and obtaining both my undergraduate degree in political science and my master's degree in business administration. Those were two Big, big accomplishments. Yeah, you know, yes. Looking for my, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandparents. No one has received, you know, a college-level education. And so it was very critical for me to kind of break that norm. You know, I've always been that individual to do that in my family. So stepping outside the box. And it's been very rewarding. <laughs> I've been able to help my family in more ways than I could have ever imagined. And give back to, you know, my mother more than ever. So, Devante, why do you think it's tough for men to land a job after either completing their education, whether it's a bachelor's degree, two bachelors, a master's, or even an advanced degree such as a doctorate degree? Why do you think it's hard in this job market? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very good question, Meg. I think we need to get out of that mindset where just because you have obtained a college education or an advanced degree or certifications does not mean you're automatically set to land your first job or as we say today, our dream job, right? Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a competitive world, let's face it. You know, we're competing with people from across the globe at this point. So yes. employers are looking for not only the right skill sets you can bring to the table, but how you can help them solve their problems today. And secondly, how you are as a person. This is where I stress having a little bit of fun and showing your creative business side. And what I mean by that, for example, going into these job interviews or you're going into the last job interviews or even your first one, be creative. So what I mean by that is read the media and investor relations sections on these employers' websites and look at current issues or plan strategies that companies are currently working on. And in that interview, present a short presentation. As ironic as it may sound, the creativity is where it can win you major, major, major brownie points when it comes to a job interview. So talk about those issues and what the company, what you can do to help that company. This not only sets you apart as a candidate, but it most certainly will have the interviewers talking about you and help you become a more memorable candidate. I remember a former colleague of mine when I first started working for uh, my current employer, he was entering his management role. And I'm not sure if it was his first management role or if it was just his management role in the sourcing space, but he, that's actually what he did. He went into the interview, he had a PowerPoint presentation ready to go and he got that job right on the spot, Meg. So, you know, it certainly adds a new touch because the interviewers won't expect it. It's not an everyday or a common approach for interviewers to do that. So I, I definitely think That's what you should do. Set yourself apart. Be creative. But also remember that it's a competitive world. So what is different about you that is different from John Doe, Jane Doe, or Kim over there? Exactly. And I also think that you have to interview the company as well. They're interviewing you, but you need to interview the company as well. I think that's what we miss the most. We don't realize a lot of us are just, you know, out here desperate for a job that we would take anything And then when we get Uh to the job, then we're unhappy. Remember, you have to interview your future employer as well. That is so important. Yes. And ask those tough questions. You know, the questions that may be in the back of your mind that you're afraid to ask because 
your nerves are kicking in, ask them. You know, there's no right or wrong answer. They only can tell you the truth. It's good for you to get it out in the beginning, whereas you start on day one and the first month that you're into it, you hate it. Yes. <laughs> I work. We work in HR. I've worked in recruiting. <laughs> yes, it's 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 common. More yeah. common than you think. It's, a, it's common. Yes, and I also think that there's a mismatch between a supply and a demand for certain skills within the job industry mm-hmm. and market. You see, there's a greater... I would say supply of college graduates than a demand for, you know, those college graduates in a labor market. Mm, good one. My thing is, if you come out of school with an engineering degree, I always want to say engineering degree <laughs> because that's my, that's my thing. But you can't come out of school thinking that you're going to have a management level role, mm-hmm. you know, try to find a job where they offer rotational programs. I know HR at a lot of different companies offer HR rotational programs. HP is one. Mm -hmm. You have Eaton, Johnson & Johnson. They offer rotational programs where you spend probably about two years to three years, depending on the company. Six months, you may work in employer relations. Another six months, you may work in recruitment. Six months, change management, performance management, et cetera. And it may even send you internationally to work in different countries to gain that exposure Mm -hmm. in those different countries. So I would say a lot of people feel as if they come out of school with these advanced degrees and they think companies are automatically supposed to hire them, but you have to step in. Definitely. And definitely. And I'm sorry, but if a company is offering a rotational program, I'm applying. (laughs) I am applying for that, for that opportunity. If the company is taking that initial investment on me to groom me and grant me the opportunity to gain the experience in my relevant field, I'm taking it. No ifs, buts, or and. It's a wonderful opportunity and you get exposed to so many different people on all levels, whether that's below you or whether at the same level or executive level. It's so important. So I'm in it. <laughs> I'm in it too. I mean, especially if I'm traveling internationally and I'm living out of the country for at least six or seven months. Oh, yes. Exposure. Yes. Yes. So all in all, we say this to say the following. And now we're just going to go ahead and break down just a few a few things that come to mind as we're looking at different job opportunities, Meg, right? Yes. So the first one I would definitely say is stay positive. Again, as I mentioned, it's super competitive out here, but staying positive, remaining humble, and just really just having that sense of, you will get a job. <laughs> Just be positive and patient. The second one I would say is continue to network, especially with those individuals outside of your industry. Just because we're human resources professionals, we talked about this before, networking with people in finance, networking with people in engineering, networking with people in sales. It's good to just build your network because you may be in a role one day and have a business issue where you may rely on those individuals for support in that particular field. I know for myself, finance, I despise finance with a passion. And so I was always reaching out to my finance professionals, trying to really understand, okay, if I go to my executive leader and share some financials, what are what does he really need to know? What are the top three things he needs to know if I'm looking at these numbers? Because right now it's it's foreign language to me, you know? So I think that is definitely uh, really important. The next thing I would say is attend networking events. 
you know, meetup.com or local organ local organizations offer many volunteering opportunities for you to really, again, branch out into your community and help out, but really learn about other people as well. Exactly. Um, so when I was laid off from work, I was laid off from work for seven months and I attended every networking event there was. <laughs> Not the paid events because I couldn't afford it, but <laughs> that's real. But every now I went on meetup.com and even I, I discovered meetup.com just because I wanted to branch into running. And so someone told me about meetup.com and I was like, oh, cool. This is neat. There are so many different just meetups that you can attend Java. If you're a finance person, there's a lot of finance or even just a fun activity. My best job came from just attending a meetup group. I actually met a VP of HR at one of those events and she hired me, you know, to do a contract position. But it was a blessing for me. And this was a couple of years ago. But just put yourself out there. You never, never, never know who you're going to meet. I even have a friend who was standing um, in front of a, a restaurant or, or I, I forgot what it was. But basically what happened was... She started a conversation with someone and that person ended up being the president of a company who offered her a contract to wow. do some work. So you just never know. Put yourself out there. Meet up, local organizations, volunteer, keep yourself busy. Like I said, I was laid off of work and I volunteered at my church mm-hmm. a lot. I was in church on Sunday volunteering, on Wednesday Every single day, I was just keeping myself busy, all about applying to jobs and making sure that I kept myself busy. Because if you sit in your house and you just focus on, I do not have a job, I do not have a job, then you become stressed out. You become depressed. Um, and so you want to make sure that you keep yourself busy. And we have some other tips that Devontae share as well. Yes. Thank you, May. That's very important. And so... Also, attend conferences in your field. SHRM, HCI, they always have a calendar available on their website with upcoming conferences that you can that you can attend. And if you aren't part of any professional organization in general, whether it's human resources or whatever field that you practice, we want to encourage you today, right now, to stop what you're doing, go on that site, and obtain a membership. If you're a student, the student memberships are never over $100. They're roughly maybe 30, 30 to 50 maybe 50 bucks. So it's it's definitely worth the investment. You get access to a plethora of different resources that can aid you throughout your job search and throughout your role as you continue to progress as a professional. Keep and also the next thing is keep yourself busy. Sign up with staffing agencies, agencies, excuse me, just to get your foot into the door with a major company. I remember when I first started working out, I did lots of lots of contract work with different agencies. It was little things here and there, whether it's filing paperwork or it's collecting the mail, but it was something just to keep me busy because that's where that networking opportunity played into part. So while you're in these various odd end jobs, you can network with a VP or a manager just so they can get a feel for who you are as a person and what it is that you want to do. And then aside from that, you know, word of mouth, an opportunity comes about, hey, Devonta, hey, Meg, you know, I have this role that I'm working on and I think you'd be a good fit for it. Um, I'm working on it here as a job description. Take a look and let me know. And it's just as simple as that. One, two, three. Exactly. I worked at Northrop Grumman and I got that job through a staffing company about 
technical resources. I started off as a contractor and about two to three months later, they hired me on as a perm employee. Sometimes your best work comes from yes. starting off as a contractor. Yes. The next one I would say is updating your resume. <laughs> as simple as that might sound, it definitely is something that you need to keep ingrained in the back of your head every day. Every time you finish a new accomplishment at a job, add it to your resume. It's crucial. I cannot tell you how many individuals come to me and say, Devon, take you hit with my resume. And when I look at the resume, it's like, okay, you still have the same stuff on here from 2015. We're in 2018. What have you done? What kinds of accomplishments have you done that are measurable or quantifiable? What can you put? Help me help you. Yes. <laughs> that is, that is crucial. Accomplishments. Yes. Accom put that on your resume. <laughs> And then also, too, I would say apply for the right job. Please apply for the right job. If you're in finance, don't apply for an engineering job. <laughs> Especially a Java developer. You don't even know what that is. So please don't apply for a Java developer if you work in finance. Because basically what happens is when you have this job requisition out there and you have 500, just say 500 candidates apply for a role more than half of them don't even qualify i think a lot of us we apply for a position because we get so desperate because uh -huh. we want we want a job we're out of work for six months eight months nine months a year and we get so desperate that we want just any job and sometimes employers look at that and say okay they're desperate they've applied to 200 and something jobs and i'm being honest you know it's not sometimes it's in your favor sometimes it's not but Make sure that you stick to your skill set, even if it's in your field. Say, for instance, if you just graduated from college with an HR degree uh, and you want to apply to, you want to be an HR journalist, there's nothing wrong with that. But make sure you don't apply to like an HR manager or HR VP position because <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's, they're looking for 10 plus years of experience. So make sure that you read the job description thoroughly before you actually apply to a position because that holds up other qualified candidates who are actually qualified to work in that role. And so you may be taking a spot from somebody else. Definitely. And <laughs> I only laugh at that because we're telling you this not to be funny, but it's, it's more common than you think. And again, to Megan's point that just, comes back to the idea of desperation. We get so desperate that we just apply to anything in the time of need. So thank you, Meg, for sharing that. Yes, and then also another thing too, I'm bold. I just put myself out there. When I apply to jobs, I reach out to the recruiter, the hiring manager, the IT person, the <laughs> finance person. I, If I can get your email, I'm, I'm sending you my resume. Can you help me? So I'm reaching out to everybody. Yeah, and to, and to piggyback off that, it's not, hey, help me, but it's more so of drafting a, a, a message that is welcoming. Hi, my name is Devontae Logan. I'm a current practicing HR professional at XYZ, or I'm just a current HR professional looking to branch into this sector of HR. I see that you are a vice president working for XYZ company. Can we schedule five, 10 minutes just to chat? And bam, you have your speech. And they're either going to hit yes, gladly, or they'll ignore you. But that's okay. And you continue that same approach with mm -hmm. 50 other managers, recruiters, 
whomever it may be. You continue the same approach, and I promise you, out of the hundreds of individuals that you reach out to, you're bound to receive at least five individuals who are willing to listen to you and potentially help you with your next opportunity. Exactly. I mean, my I put myself out there all the time. And, you know, I have a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn, who reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I saw this. I see that you work at such and such company and I'm interested in this role. You know what? I want to help them. I want to I want to help them succeed because they reached out. So, you know, I always let them know, hey, this company that I work for, whatever company they may, may be at the time, is a huge company. But send me your resume. Here's my here's my information. Send me your resume and I'll help you. Now, some of us are not like that, but don't be just because someone said no to you doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to reach out to somebody else because that person may extend an opportunity for an invite for a phone conversation just to learn more about your skills and then send that over to the appropriate recruiter or hiring manager. It's been done to me. I've done it before. So I always say just put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there because a, these companies are not going to come to you. Uh-huh. If you want something, you have to go for it. You have to go after those companies to get what you want. So make sure that you set yourself up for opportunities to be visible, to be seen. Uh-huh. And that's really about it. I mean, you know what I love most about LinkedIn? I like the fact that I can click on some a video every day. Somebody's posting a video every day. They're putting their, their selves out there. They're bold because I wouldn't get on, get on video, but <laughs> I'm sorry. My head too shiny. <laughs> I can't get on video, but they're bold enough to get on video. And I love that. I'm interested. I'm waiting for more opportunities to see them because I know they're going to bring me good content. And so that intrigues me. And as a recruiter, as an HR professional, that's outstanding to put yourself out there. People want to work with you. People want to know more about you. They want to know who you are. And this is the joy. And that's the reason why we're doing this podcast because we're putting ourselves out there. We want we want people to know who we are, what we do. We want to help you as an audience to grow and to learn. But we're real serious about this. We want to we want to help you guys get the best opportunity to get your to get your dream job going. Definitely. Thank you for that, Meg. I, I love when you speak. <laughs> it's so like I'm just looking at you right now, just like mesmerized. Like, oh, thanks, Meg. I, I, I know I'm cute today. I got on my little hat, my little wig on. Mm. Going forward. <laughs> Again, this this brings us back into having some personality, y'all. That's there's, there's nothing wrong with having some personality. Laugh. Everything doesn't have to be so uptight, especially throughout this process. A job is a job, and you ultimately want to work, but also have fun. You know, so it's okay to embrace who you are in a job interview. Now, I'm not saying go and act a fool, but... What I mean by that is to embrace who you are. If you mm-hmm. tell jokes on the side, tell a corny joke, tell a funny joke. You know, engage that audience. Be yourself. That is very important. Be yourself. If you don't remember anything else after this podcast today, just remember, be yourself throughout this process. Yes, be yourself. You see, we're ourselves every day. You just have to be yourself. Tell your story the best way that you can throughout your interview, throughout your networking, LinkedIn, Whatever you need to tell your story, tell your story. Leave an impression on people. You know, you have a you have a manager that's interviewing, hire manager that's interviewing 15 or 20 people. You want him to remember you. 
So leave a, a, a lasting impression on that manager. A great impression. Not something like, oh, he's walking away like, oh my gosh, why did I interview this person? <laughs> but a lasting, positive, good impression. Absolutely. And you know, this brings me to the next topic, which is resource offering time. And, you know, you said leaving a lasting impression. And this brings me to a book by Gary Bernison. It came out um, sometime this year and it's called Lose the Resume, Land the Job. And it's a good resource I want to offer to you because the title alone is catchy. We're all about catchy titles over here. But Gary also goes into how you should ultimately ultimately be telling a story in your interview interviews that speaks to your own competencies, passion, and purpose so that you can win that job of your dreams. And you can find this download or free sample on Google and you can purchase the ebook for I believe it's about 16 bucks, but it's it's well worth it. And again, like Megan said, telling your story. You can have a resume in front of you right now, but what does that mean? I can look at a million resumes, but what is your story? How are you different from the 10 other candidates? So tell your story in that interview. And the next one I want to offer to you is someone on LinkedIn who I follow, who I get great inspiration from on a daily basis. Her name is JT O'Donnell. She is the CEO of workitdaily.com. And she has a a series of different YouTube videos, and she also posts these on LinkedIn as well, on how to break the ice during interviews and a plethora of different opportunities just about how to land your dream job or how to dress or how to create that perfect resume. If you're not getting the job interviews, what are you doing wrong? So she goes into a series of different things that can help aid you throughout your own process. So I would encourage you to take a look at those super beneficial. And I'm actually going to pick up Gary's book myself (laughs) because I actually read part of the ebook, just glancing at a few chapters that were most interesting to me, but it's definitely something I want to read from start to finish. So I would encourage you to pick that up as well. All right. Well, this wraps up today's podcast. If you have any questions you'd like to address, comments, feedback, or have an HR topic that you'd like to hear on the next episode, we can be reached at info at mmhrchangers.com. Again, that is info at mmhrchangers.com, where we are here to help you become the next Mighty Morphin HR Changer in your field.